Hello and welcome to the Friday, March 3rd, 2022 edition of On Iowa Politics. We're coming in like a lion this week as we plan to discuss President Joe Biden's first State of the Union address, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds presenting the Republican response, and U.S. Senator Joni Ernst offering her take on the Biden administration's handling of Russia's military aggression in Ukraine. Before we get to that, though, we want to remind you that support for this podcast is provided by New Pioneer Co-op, celebrating 50 years as Eastern Iowa's source for locally and responsibly sourced groceries, with stores in Iowa City, Coralville, and Cedar Rapids, and online through coopcart at newpi.coop. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. With me today are Amy Rivers of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Aaron. We have Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal. Good morning, Jared. Good morning. My uh, veins are coursing with a uh, Cherry Coke Zero right now, so I'm uh, plenty good to go today. Nice. <laughs> nice. It's an excellent choice. Uh, and lastly, I don't know what's coursing through his veins Uh it's even at this hour, but it's Gazette Opinion Editor Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning, and it's just my veins are filled with pure ice water. <laughs> pure ice is what you well said? Done. Well done. Maybe. Maybe ice and maybe a little bourbon. I don't know. <laughs> so, and before we get started here, uh, I've I got to tell folks and i'm starting to take this stuff personally honestly because the last time i filled in for james lynch as host i had to announce that it was tom barton's final episode mm. because he had been promoted to an editor position of the quad city times now i'm hosting again and today i have the displeasure of announcing that in a few weeks we'll be losing our own great amy rivers Ah. Great. She's accepted a, that's right. She's ex- Amy's accepted a reporting position with Iowa starting line. A- Amy, just what is it me? It must be me, right? It is like, you. Is it is it the Badger stuff? Because I can swear if it's the Badger stuff, I can stop. It is the Badger stuff. <laughs> You're in Iowa now. <laughs> yeah, I, I lied. I can't stop. So. You must like the Hawkeyes, the Cyclones, if you have to. But Badgers, <laughs> you might as well be a Husker fan at that point. I don't even. Uh, well, there, there you have it. At least we know why we're driving so many people away. Way now, uh, but in all seriousness, Amy, congratulations! Uh, everyone Thank here you. at the podcast congratulates you, and we wish you nothing the best. We're sure you'll continue to do great work at Starting Line, and we're glad to at least have you for a couple more weeks, right? Yeah, I'll be here through the 18th, so I'll be on a couple more podcasts, and I'm sticking around in politics. I'm staying in Waterloo. I'm going to be covering Eastern Iowa. Hopefully, we'll see you guys and be able to converse some more for sure. There you go. Sounds good. Okay, moving on to the business at hand. First up this week, the State of the Union is strong, and that is because of the American people. That, folks, is, I believe, the one and only thing that Joe Biden and Kim Reynolds agreed on Tuesday night. (laughs) So so let's talk about this, and let's make it simple and just go right around the horn here, have everyone give their thoughts. Uh, First on President Biden's, uh, what was his first State of the Union address? Uh, He addressed a joint session of Congress last year, but it wasn't technically a State of the Union. Um, so Amy, uh, since you're bailing on us, you have to go last. Uh, and, so Todd, you get us started. Oh, I go first. Well, it, you know, I, it was a solid speech. I don't think it will be particularly memorable as state of the unions go. Not many of them are, but you know, I, I thought he, he checked most or all of the boxes he needed to check. He, he needed to project 
defiance and and be resolute on the Ukraine situation. And, and that was probably the part of the speech that drew the most bipartisan applause. There seemed to be uh, seemed to be some unity between Republicans and Democrats on, you know, wanting to meet the Russian aggression with with, uh, you know, resolve and, and aid and lethal weapons and things like that, that he that he outlined how they would support Ukraine. Uh, and he made it clear that there's not going to be United States ground troops or, or U.S. forces in, involving themselves in the war, but they're going to be shoring up the NATO alliance, you know, in case Russia, you know, gets even more aggressive. So, uh, you know, he talked about inflation, uh, sort of threw in some economic nationalism with sort of the Buy America uh, stuff he talked about. Uh, he, he, you know, painted a fairly optimistic picture of, of, of his accomplishments and what he expects the United States to be like after COVID. And, uh, you know, and I, I think he tried to answer the criticisms of his administration. And, and, and you know, he had this unity agenda where I think it was like mental health and uh, the opioid crisis and uh, a couple other uh, things that, you know, sort of things that he thought that the country could unify around a, an effort to, to halt. So, uh, yeah, and, 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 you know, he's a Democratic president, and, and so he had to be heckled so he could check that box. The, the two Congresswomen sort of yelled at him at an unopportune moment when he was about to talk about his, uh, his son who died of cancer. Uh, so all in all, like I say, I think it was a, a pretty solid speech. The polling I've seen sort of reflects that people liked it. The, the speech may be more popular than the person who gave it. Uh, and, you know, I, I think, you know, people talk about a reset and all of these things. I don't know that he accomplished that. That's pretty difficult. But I think, you know, it was, he's had a lot of negative weeks and months. And I think this was, a, he took the opportunity to, to have, a, have a positive night. And I think he accomplished that. All right. Very good. Jared, what did you think? So in, in terms of like uh, lasting uh, stuff, I would kind of say it's probably not the best sign that uh, a lot of the major chatter after the speech, at least what, what I saw, revolved around like some people wondering what Biden meant with uh, go get them uh, near the end. I know there's <laughs> a bunch right. of headlines about that. <laughs> yeah. um, there's a bunch of national headlines and not just from like conservative outlets, like um, pointing out that he said, uh, Iranians instead of Ukrainians. And then there almost seemed to be as many photos of like Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, you know, yelling at Biden as there were of like other stuff going on during the address. And so I am kind of inclined to think when that's some of the stuff that's boiling up uh, and is what national outlets are honing in on, that maybe means that a lot of the actual substance either got lost or it's just stuff people have heard before. And so they're not as inclined to like latch on to it. Yeah. And you to that, and you tweeted kind of about that at some point this week, Jared, I remember seeing like, it's just not uh, terribly memorable. And I was talking to a, a political science professor here in Iowa afterwards. And he kind of talked about that. He said something similar to what you did, Jared, which is like by Friday, no one will re remember what was said. And, that, and, and, and to Todd's point, that's typical of a lot of state of the union addresses mm -hmm. too. It's not necessarily that, a benchmark that Biden fell short of. It's just, uh, you know, short attention spans, uh, 
quick turnarounds and news cycles. And mm-hmm. well, obviously and, we have a lot going on in the news. Yeah. I was going to say, especially with everything else that's going on, it, it's hard for uh, an hour long speech about a bunch of different topics that, you know, happens every year to like stick around long when you've got a uh, war going on. Yeah, exactly. All right, Amy, did we leave anything unsaid? <laughs> I mean, they, they covered a lot of it. And, and I think Jared's right that that's really tough, especially in these days when you when you got to get a quick hit and get out, you know, on Twitter, on TV, on whatever, for a State of the Union to have any sort of staying power. I mean, the amount of people that probably watched the entire speech and then watched the entire Kim Reynolds rebuttal, you know, and then went and found, you know, the other congressional uh, progressive rebuttal. Probably very low. It's probably like, you know, the the stable of political reporters, basically, and the other political junkies. But overall, I think, you know, he is trying to to put together somewhat of an agenda for this year. And I think um, what's really relevant besides Ukraine, which is hugely relevant um, right now, especially in Iowa, is also that Equality Act. You heard um, congressional representatives um, talk about it after the speech. Um, that, you know, he called for passage of this Equality Act. If, if you don't know what it is, it would basically sort of be the the equivalent to the, the Federal Voting Rights Act, right, which would kind of um, take a federal approach to um, these states that are trying to pass more restrictive voting laws, that would take that away. So these states that are trying to pass more restrictive laws against transgender people, against transgender children, um, this Equality Act would basically sort of um, try to stymie that a little bit. So so that's part of it, especially when you consider that Reynolds just passed um, the, the or just signed rather the bill um, regarding transgender girls um, not being able to participate in sports at um, either the uh, K-12 or the college level. So, so that's still really relevant to people. And I think um, you might still have people latching onto parts of Biden's speech then throughout that to say, this is you know, the figurehead of the Democratic Party and what he believes in here is how it contrasts with Reynolds. So stuff like that. And then Ukraine right now, and and especially by the time we get this posted, there's going to be a million different developments there. And and so it's, it's like, what are we doing in this very moment is still going to be even more appropriate or more relevant. Yep, that's so true. Um, the only thing I'll add is what, what kind of struck me and I'll uh, upfront um in the interest of full disclosure, I was also working on the, the Reynolds story. Um, so I was kind of only half paying attention uh, to president Biden, but it just in broad terms, the topics that he chose to, to hit on, especially early on. And Todd touched on this a little bit. I mean, um, it, it seemed to be at least a concerted effort to appear um, bipartisan. I'm, I'm sure Republicans <laughs> didn't see it that way, but I mean, you can't argue. I mean, you look at, he talked to, I mean, obviously he started with Ukraine and that, that was a no brainer. Um, but he brought up immigration policy and the borders and, and, and while Republicans may, um, disagree on how to approach that, the fact that a democratic president even mentioned immigration policy in a state of the union address, he, he talked about funding for law enforcement and pushed back on the defund the police uh, narrative. He talked about the economy and, and even expressed uh, empathy for uh, for Americans who are dealing with inflation. So there was at least that effort there uh, was interesting. And then he did, uh, um, you know, eventually get into that, you know, democratic wish list of things that he and, and some of the things that you were talking about there, mm-hmm. Amy. So that was what stuck out to me. Um, so after the president was done, and after the TV news talking heads got in their two cents, and apparently after a hype video that I still haven't seen, I, I know it was going around the, 
the social media is that I think the Republican Governors <laughs> Association apparently put together. Um, expected to see Kim Reynolds running out to uh, starting lineup music after that. All of the lights. <laughs> All of the lights by Kanye. <laughs> is that what it was? It was, yeah. Oh, that was a video I saw. Fantastic. Uh, so anyways, after all that, we got Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds uh, delivering the Republican Party's response to the State of the Union. She addressed the nation from Des Moines. It looked to me, and I don't know if anybody's confirmed this, and I haven't thought to ask. Um, it looked like she was perched atop the State Historical Building he, uh, here in the East Village, uh, just about a block from where I'm sitting right now, um, and, and had the Iowa Capitol beautifully lit in the background. So same thing. Let's go around the horn again. And since I was so mean last time, Amy, you can start this time. <laughs> I'll I'll take any time to talk about it, but yeah, I think <laughs> you know for Reynolds, she she really um, it was hers to lose. You know, I, I think that that she was set up pretty well for this speech. Um, she's relatively in the middle of the pack, I think, when it comes to Republican governors as far as getting her policies passed. She's she's done very well, and that's thanks to obviously having a Republican trifecta in the state. So. So she had a lot to celebrate. You know, she's able to point to bills that were recently passed, like the flat tax. Um, she's able to point to holding the line on um, COVID policy or or lack thereof. Um, she's she's able to point to you know um, tr- tr- basically trying to you know not have she doesn't have the surges of crime you know in in cities that other people have been talking about that biden was talking about in his speeches so she's able to sort of point to that and be like see it's working here and if you just you know put it everywhere else then then it'll work there too and and obviously um iowa is not the nation and and has not been the nation probably for several years um we're no longer a swing state you know we're pretty solidly republican things that work here don't necessarily work in other states Nevertheless, I think ultimately, I think Republicans are probably pretty happy with this speech overall. I think she didn't make any major gaffes. Um, She was not talking, you know, while sipping a bunch of water or anything like that. Uh, Did you guys notice any gaffes? I guess I didn't notice any gaffes. No, she maybe just stumbled a tiny bit over um, one word. And I I think she looked off camera once. I don't know what happened, but. But, but overall, it was pretty clean delivery. Todd, what did you think? Well, you know, needless to say, my expectations were fairly low. And she, <laughs> she, met, she met them. Uh, you know, it, it would be interesting to me if the, someday if they actually made the Republican response a real response, like you hear the speech and then you actually respond to what the real time. Said. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, that's, you know, I, I guess it hasn't been that way for a long time. If, if it was ever that way, uh, you know, I, I was struck, I guess, by the contrast in tone. I mean, I think the president tried to be somewhat optimistic and project ahead to better days. And, and Kim Reynolds sort of, uh, you know, talked about how, you know, Democrats are destroying the country and, uh, the president prepare, uh, prefers political correctness over military correct over military readiness, things like that, and that you know Americans feel like they're the enemy. So it was a it was a pretty it was a pretty pessimistic speech for, for the most part. Uh, she sort of blame and like a lot of Republicans blames Biden for uh, you know the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Although I, you know, it's 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 difficult to to tell what exactly could have been more could have been done. I don't think they favor sending U.S. troops in and things like that. So I think it's just you know it's a very typical 
argument that Republicans make against Democratic presidents is that they're weak. I mean, that's and that, that the Republican Party is the more militarily muscular, although they tends to be Democratic presidents in office when we have big wars. So mm, I, I don't yeah. know. It's, uh, <laughs> right. But, you know, I, I, I think she she captured the mood of her party and maybe captured the national mood. You know, lots of people are, you know, think the country's on the wrong track and that things are going poorly. But I, I really think Republicans are going to need, you know, some sort of optimistic forward-looking message uh, for the midterms. I mean, I mean, the winds are blowing in their direction, but I still think they've got some work to do on that. It's, you know, you can't just say Democrats are horrible and, and tax cuts. I, I just, I don't know if that's sort of the, you know, the agenda and, and, you know, we're going to ban transgender kids from sports and, and ban books. I'm, I mean, it's, I think it's, I think, like I say, that captures the mood of the party, but I, I don't know that nationally that's going to be a, a real popular agenda. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Todd. And, and as I think about that now, um, because obviously, like you said, the, the out of party, out of power party is going to blame the party in power, but then you have to have the sales pitch. And there mm-hmm. was that, but it was much more, the, Governor Reynolds' remarks were much more of the former than the latter. She spent a lot of time talking about, to your point, what the Biden administration is doing wrong mm-hmm. and why are things are so bad. I expected to hear all that stuff about Iowa much sooner than we did. It took much longer into the speech until she started about, and and you can do what we're doing in Iowa, which is lower taxes, give choice to parents and schools, blah, blah, blah. Um, she got there eventually, but, but, uh, I, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was a little later than I expected. It seemed like it was kind of a festivist speech. It was mostly an airing of grievances. <laughs> I don't know if, the, I don't, the feats of strength never happened, but you know, is there, is there, is there a poll, is there a poll up there on the historical building? <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> some sort. All right, Jared, wrap this one up for us. So uh, I, I guess uh, first kind of jumping off of uh, something uh, that got mentioned a second ago, I, I get uh, for some people the whole like um, political correctness versus military readiness thing is just a troll. Like for most people, that's just a troll move. But like for anyone that's serious about that, I really don't understand the logic there because, I mean, the U.S. hasn't done well in military incursions in the past and we haven't <laughs> been having these same conversations. So I don't I don't maybe there was a different uh, like political correctness I just didn't know about from from the past that. uh just, you know, bogged our troops down and uh, that's what caused them to, to lose. But um, I'm still stuck on the uh, the hype video and uh, using all the lights uh, by Kanye. It's it's a really good song. It's one of my favorites off of uh, my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. But I, I don't know what it has to do with the response to the State of the Union. There's there's maybe some other like older Kanye songs they could have dipped into, you know, reward the the old timer uh, Kanye fans who might have been watching the response. Um, <laughs> as, as, what would as you as have played, the, Jared? Uh, you, you could play like "Through the Wire." That's a good pump-up song, you know, <laughs> some stuff like that. Um, it'd be it'd be good too, you know, you know, sh- you know, navigated through COVID and stuff like that. You can play uh, "Through the go. Wire." Oh, um, missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as as for the content itself, uh, kind of like with the the Biden one, I'm not sure how much people are going to remember from this one either in a week's time. Maybe they'll remember the Americans feel like they're the enemies line. I'm not sure what else has a lot of um, staying power. And it's also, you know, just difficult too for 
a governor to get a great foothold when they're going up against a president who spent a decent chunk of his speech talking foreign policy. You're always going to be on the losing end of that as a governor, especially a Midwestern governor. That's not really your realm uh, at all in any way. So that that's always going to be an uphill battle, no matter who it is that's giving the response, Republican or Democrat. And then as someone who uh, grew up in Missouri, I refuse to accept that the phrase Iowa nice is a thing. The only one I ever heard when I was a kid was Minnesota nice. I never heard about Iowa nice until I moved into Iowa. So this is just uh, Iowa propaganda and not a real thing. Wait a minute. I, I know I'm already in trouble based on the Badger stuff that we talked about at the top, but I am with Jared 100% on this. And I'm not I'm not disputing whether or not Iowa people are nice. I want to make no, clear about that. No. But the Iowa nice thing is not a thing outside of Iowa. He's absolutely right. The first yeah. time I heard of it was when I got here. Minnesota well, my- nice is definitely a thing, and they are way too nice. I, I lived yeah. up there briefly for my first job after college. Entirely too nice and earnest people. I thought I, thought I was nice and earnest. No, these people make me look like a sarcastic asshole, which I kind of might be, but really uh- – <laughs> I uh, I I assume that's the Canadian influence, right, from the border there on, yeah. on Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, the, sorry. Eh? The, the proximity, proximity. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, yeah, well you can you can you can check my inbox on most days, and there'd be Exhibit A that Iowa nice is not <laughs> is, is not exactly Ain't universally universally accepted. <laughs> oh boy, I got some voicemails still sitting there right now that would. would yeah, would pretty clearly refute that idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's not even targeted at me. That's the thing. Well, this one isn't. All right. Anyways, finally this week, uh, Jared was able to catch U.S. Senator Joni Ernst at a Northwest Iowa event recently, and she had a few thoughts on the Biden administration's actions, uh, or I guess from Ernst's viewpoint, inaction on the ongoing issues in Ukraine's. Uh, pardon me, Ukraine. Uh, Jared, so tell us a little more about what uh, Senator Ernst had to say up there. So, yeah, uh, Ernst was uh, visiting uh, Sioux City last uh, Friday to uh, nominally chat about uh, supply chain stuff and take a tour of the headquarters for Baumgars, which, for folks who don't know, is a uh, family-owned retail chain that operates in a number of states in the the Midwest region. Um, She only really answered one question that had to do with uh, supply chain stuff. Uh, another question she got was about uh, Biden's Supreme Court nominee, and she kind of gave just the the stock answer that senators will give when they're asked about that, and that's that she hopes to meet um, with the nominee and uh, see where uh, she stands on a number of different uh, legal issues. Um, and then I and another reporter asked about uh, Ukraine, and specifically I asked her about um, some folks kind of seeming to take glee uh, in the Russian invasion of Ukraine because it makes Biden look weak. And um, Ernst's response to that was to say that um, Biden has been weak um, and that he needs to present strength to uh, a very powerful leader uh, in Vladimir Putin, who's not afraid to take uh, innocent lives. And as for like the, the country itself and the citizens of Ukraine, Ernst uh, talked about being heartbroken, seeing what was happening to them. Um, but she stopped short of saying that like the U.S. should be sending troops or anything like that to uh, the Eastern European nation. So um, that was kind of where things shook out with her uh, when she was uh, asked about it last week. Did she say what strength looks like would be, I guess, my question. 
No, not really. It was just that he needs to present strength to uh, to a very powerful leader. What what that strength is, you know. Yeah, but not troops. And and that's always and and look, I, I say this, Senator Ernst is not the only politician to ever do this in history. So this isn't a direct uh, uh, shot at her, but that's kind of the where you know members of Congress can sit right now in these moments, right? Is they can they can because they're not in that seat that the president sits, regardless of what party party they're in, where every decision they make at a moment like this just has so many ramifications and, and they have to weigh all kinds of things. And, and, and the folks out there in, on the Hill can just say, Oh, we should be doing this or that. And you'd uh, think you that know. Ernst would know a little bit more having been in the mix as a member of the military though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was interesting the way you uh, told that too, Jared, I, I, I wanted to ask, um, so the way you phrased your question, did she ever circle back on the point of, yeah, and also, uh, hey, folks, don't be taking, uh, don't be enjoying this for your own political gains, please? Or did she kind of sidestep nope. that part uh, of the question? Nope, blew, blew right through that part of the question. Yeah, okay. Well, I think it all, all boils down to the fact that Joe Biden's never appeared bare-chested on a horse. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's the reason that we haven't projected oh. quite enough I forgot strength. about that photo, Todd. Why did you put that back in my brain? <laughs> Putin on the horse. <laughs> he needs to. He needs to start like wrestling bears or like um, Don't do what idea. <laughs> uh, what that uh, Russian heavyweight whose name I'm blanking on used to like strap a refrigerator to his back and like walk up flights of stairs. Biden, uh, Biden can start doing that. <laughs> Take up oh, judo. Man. Yeah, you know. there you go. I mean, he he challenged a guy to push-ups on the campaign trail. I don't know what <laughs> how much more manly Republicans need this guy to be. Well, I hope it wasn't Chuck Grassley because we no, know he's I the, think he's he the knew better than that. Yeah, yeah. The oh god, that's is that what we need? The Chuck Grassley versus Joe Biden push-up challenge? Yes. Pay-per-view. <laughs> I'm not saying no. <laughs> I will say, and 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 to tie a little bit of this together, um, I just came from. Uh, Senator Grassley filed his uh, signatures for to get on the ballot to run for re-election um, and took a few quick questions from a few of us who were there. Um, and he did show a little restraint on talking about, uh, and he even said the words, like, I'm not going to blame President Biden for what's going on in Ukraine. Um, he was a little more eager to be critical of the Afghanistan withdrawal uh <laughs> unsurprisingly but it was interesting to hear senator grassley kind of like he wanted to talk about ukraine and 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 you know our need to be helpful there but but he did fall short of, of saying he he wasn't going to be critical of the president which was which was interesting uh to me anyways so anyways uh i think that wraps it up for this edition of on iowa politics thanks to everyone here uh, if you enjoy the podcast, tell your friends and subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. Fan mail can be sent to podcasts at thegazette.com. Pass the bourbon, Todd. I clearly need <laughs> And stay up to date on our team's coverage of the Iowa legislature by subscribing to the Capital Digest newsletter under the Iowa legislature tab at thegazette.com. And don't forget, you can find the work of everyone you heard today on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mesa City Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council of Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and Cedar Rapids Gazette. Kelly Party Cooper will play us out. If you have an Iowa band or musician who should be on the podcast, please send us a sound file. 
For Amy, Jared, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Let my country home, I left the fields and plains. Feel the desert wind, escape the rain. She saw me coming from a thousand miles away. She took my hand as my name.
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.